episode 36 of the Cinepunks podcast. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our last episode with Sam. And really, uh, we could say that that, inter- that uh, interview slash conversation with Sam was really an introduction to, for us, what will be a month of horror. Horror month. This is going to be one of uh, four episodes that we'll be doing for the month of October, which, if you're keeping up with the Cinepunks regularly, you know, we're good for about two episodes a month, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think actually two episodes is ambitious. We're yeah. lucky if we do two episodes. Well, but the thing is, it's 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 still constantly going every month. It's not like we take a break. We're still doing shit. Sure, so, that's um, fair. That's fair. But for the month of October, we're trying to do a podcast a month, or a week. One a week! So you will get all of the stuff that we like to discuss concerning movies and uh, and and musics of the season. Huh? Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, and this is something, actually... So today we're going to be talking about Halloween ephemera. Halloween ephemera. Which, stuff about the season that we are enamored with. Yeah, I think... And, and what will be interesting about that is we've talked a lot about how we feel about horror. Yeah. About if we like horror or why we like horror. And the funny thing about it is that we're not a horror podcast. We talk about all movies with as much passion as we do horror movies. It's just we happen to both love horror movies and a lot of the things that go on in this city in terms of filming is horror related. And I think that's something that we... uh, I was actually thinking this on the way here because I was thinking that there was an interview with John Cleese, mm-hmm. and I was like, "How cool would it be to do an episode on like Monty Python?" Yeah, that'd you be know, great. like something like that. But it is October. It is October, and since we love horror, no. But I, what I was going to say is, we talk a lot about horror. We don't talk as much about Halloween in general, and I feel like when it comes to the larger Halloween culture, mm-hmm. you are a bigger celebrant of that than I am. Well, uh, the thing is, I love Danzig. and I love playing Danzig music, and uh, year-round is not exactly the time to play Danzig songs. However, Halloween, I have lent my guitar and my voice to many a uh, Danzig or Misfits-themed cover band. And uh, that's why I guess it looks like I do the Halloween thing bigger. The other thing is that my wife and I are very into things like haunted houses and stuff like, um, like Eastern State Penitentiary and all the other things that celebrate just being scared around this time. Mm. So we do a lot of that stuff every Halloween season. And typically, we're never around for Halloween because we're either at Fest in Gainesville or we're out just doing uh, stuff elsewhere other than home. So this is actually one of the first Halloweens where Melania and I will stay in the tri-state area. Yeah, I, uh, I find that, for me, it's hard because my wife, Susan, who is amazing in many ways, does not like being scared. <laughs> so yeah. the idea that we would go to like a Halloween haunted house... Yes. That's not cool. Not into it for some No. And for me, you know, my primary way of, of celebrating Halloween nowadays is really just watching horror movies. Yeah, but you and I went to Penhurst Asylum last year with uh, Steve Justin and Jordan Clarius. But how many ha- how many haunted houses did you go to last year? I went to like six or seven. We went to like a million. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I don't do that. Like, I, uh, I probably only went to that one with you. Yeah, but how much fun was it, is my question. It's not that it wasn't fun. It was kind of fun. Eva was with us, Milani. Yeah, Yeah, we had a a huge crew representing. It was just... Wait a minute. You know that wasn't last year, right? Was that two years ago? It was two years ago. Holy shit. I haven't been to a wedding house in more than two years. Why do you not like fun? Why do you not like Halloween fun? It's not that I don't like Halloween fun. 
I love Halloween fun. <laughs> it's that I don't care about that. Honestly, when I'm at a haunted house with you, I'm thinking, man, I wish we were watching a scary movie right now. <laughs> Penhurst Asylum, though, is a good scary time, man. It's fun. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Hi, people. So for those of you listening to the podcast right now, we're periscoping this intro, and I'm realizing um, I find periscope kind of annoying without, like, a... Like, I wish I could put my phone on something right now. Well, I mean, maybe we can. Can, can you do it? I don't think that's going to be interesting for anyone to watch, but we'll do it. So, right. hi everyone on Periscope, and we're going to... Hello. Uh, we're going to try and do we're a... We're going to try to, like, just... Just, no, reverse it. it. Why don't you reverse it, and then we'll... All right, here we okay, go. what's up? Yep. Oh, don't put it on me. There you go. That's good. <laughs> have a shot. You can have a shot of me, and I don't care if people like looking at me or not. I don't, I don't that's really good. That's good. All right, so I want to start with, you know... Uh, those of you who listened to the last episode know we had an episode. It went really, I thought, pretty well. And then what happened was we lost it. Yeah, it became the lost episode. There was like a technical glitch, which is probably my fault. It was most likely my fault, though. No, it was most likely my fault. Because I, I closed the computer. No. And I wasn't supposed to. I don't to. think that caused it. Let's move on. Point being is that we did a check-in and we haven't gotten to do it. So we haven't even checked in on the show since you went to Hawaii. Yeah, no, it's been a minute. So let's talk a little had... bit about that. How was Hawaii? So you went to... Uh... I went to Molokai. Molokai. I went to the yeah. least habited Hawaiian island. There were 7,146 people there. It was amazing. I didn't see anybody, and it was great. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Did you... Uh, are you a nature person? Would you Was part of going there the nature aspect of it, or was it just getting out of town? Getting out of town and getting away from cities. Because when you go to Oahu and you go to Honolulu, it's just like being downtown anyway. So, Is that right? Yeah, so just being out in a completely different, like, anime, like, just completely different place of being. It was so wonderful. Uh, me and Melani had such a great time. We we off-roaded. We you know we killed the centipede with a with a knife. It came at us in our sleep. It was terrible. Tell me about your centipede murder. It just came out and it was like the big. It was bigger than my hand, and we trapped it. And then it was like really angry. It was inside. We were. It was just inside the the condo where we were at. And then just oh man, this is the most terrifying thing. But then also like um, we we stayed at a, a couple Airbnb joints that was really cool. And um, the big thing was that we went to the leper colony of Kalaupapa. Okay. Which, um, the, the big nature part of that was a three and a half mile hike to get there. And we had to go through the mountains. We saw goats and shit. It was awesome. It was very, it was very like, uh, I, I, I got to learn about the leper colony in, in Kalaupapa. And it was very eye-opening. As you know, I am a fan of Hawaiian cuisine. Yes, you are, as well as you should you, be. Did you have much delicious Hawaiian food while you were there? Um, yeah, we did. There were, Molokai, not so much, but when we went to Oahu, we were in Oahu for four days, and uh, we got some good food then. But um, Molokai was a lot of plate lunch, a lot of macaroni salad, which I think uh, the Hawaiians enjoyed because of its flavoring, that being the taste of American imperialism. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I think of what because oh, yeah. every plate meal has uh, they they always like mac salad, mac salad. So it's like yeah, it's on there. But you know, I had a mocha loco too. You, I was gonna say, did you have any masubi while you were there? I had at least four thousand spam masubis. I love spam masubi. Oh my god, so good. I don't know if it's because I'm Filipino or if I was in Hawaii or just because, but spam in general, awesome. How did you feel? Did you have any? Um, 
uh, Pokeballs while you were there? I did. I had a bunch of Poke, but not like the Poke over rice or whatever. I just had Poke straight up, like okay. with the seaweed and the seasoned uh, soy sauce and everything. Okay. It was awesome. The food wasn't the big thing, though. Honestly, Kalu Papa, and we saw like the hike was insane, but then getting to a place where there are actually still six lepers living. Six people That's with Hansen's disease. And to see, like, I, I think I told you about this. Like, you know, they started in 1856. They started exiling the lepers to Kalawupapa. They stopped in 1963. That's right, 1963. Yeah, it's a little intense. So, um, and and um, out of this horrific treatment of, uh, of, of these people came two beautiful, shining examples of what I consider humanity. And that is Father Damien. Mm. who uh, has been canonized as a saint. And uh, the other one is Sister Marianne Cope. And these were two people who dedicated their lives to the care of the people of Kalalupapa. And um, that was very... As a person who works in not only the mental health field, but who's worked in it for more than a decade, it's difficult sometimes to maintain your compassion when you're trying to, like, you know, help people that don't want your help or that could potentially hurt you and stuff like this. And seeing how someone like Father Damien can become a shining example of humanity out of some of the darkest times sure. is pretty inspiring. So as for me, it, it refilled a cache of compassion that I haven't been feeling lately, mm. that I've been suffering from an absence of. So it was cool. It was really, really good. Now the, uh, the second big event uh, after Hawaii... And getting to see me again, which was pretty epic. Yeah, it was great. Was uh, the Pope Pocalypse. The Pope Pocalypse. Pope, Pope Mageddon. How did you guys Pope do over there? Pope Palooza. In, in Eastone. How did you guys. So we talked a little bit about the, the popiness on our last episode. Um, and I'd like a report from you as someone who was actually here, especially because you were concerned about how, what it would be like working, you know, a million hours. Yeah. I will say in the Lehigh Valley, no Pope effects of any kind. There None. Was no. We're far away. I mean, <clears throat> because so many people in Philly live in the Lehigh Valley, yeah. and so many people in the Lehigh Valley come down to Philly, mm-hmm. I think we've created this false idea that we are in the same world. People oftentimes talk to me about, oh, you've moved to the suburbs. Oh, you're in the suburbs. <laughs> Yo, motherfucker, I wish I was in the suburbs. Like, ah. oh, my God, if I had moved to Ardmore, I would still be working <laughs> in the city. I'd have Ambler. On. Ambler, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I was in motherfucking Wayne... Ah, you, would find, you would find me down here. The reality is the Lehigh Valley is another world. It's another metro area. It's another place. Mm. So something happening in Philly, I mean, the only thing that you got in the Lehigh Valley, there were two things. One, the Steel Stacks. Uh, sim- Which I will sim- be at on November 17th, my birthday. For meatloaf. For meatloaf. Terrible. Ah! <laughs> Genius. But the other reality is that, um, so the Steel Stacks, uh, they uh, multicast the, the uh, mass so oh. that you could go and watch but maybe 300 people came out for that not yeah many. you're saying I mean, there's like a bunch of people out uh, there. but still sex is huge though so 300 people is not doesn't look like a lot of people either. there at all yeah and then the other thing was before you got on the highway there was a sign that was like Pope event in Philly expect delays plan accordingly yeah but that's it that was the entire effect on Lehigh Valley but my gram was blowing up with what looked like the Walking Dead without the zombies. Like, we looked like this abandoned city. What was it like for you, as a Philadelphia re- resident, 
here for Popocalypse. Okay, so part of my on track for this week is that I saw Gloss as we had announced last oh, week. Oh yeah, whack it on track. Let's so let's let's, let's slide let's into let's it. Segue let's right into slide that. Slide into it. So let's put it on like an old sweater. <laughs> so on track was I saw Gloss the Thursday night of Popocalypse, and uh, I thought like that was the same night as Off with Their Heads and. Um, and Iron Sheik and Good Riddance. And Gloss was amazing. It was Gloss, Solo, and Hearse. I watched a little bit of the Hearse set. The Gloss set went up today when we're recording. Oh, so they're so good. We will have watched it. But they were so uh, I awesome. watched a little bit of the Hearse set. Uh, Hearse, I'm sorry. Hearse. Hearse set and a little bit of the Solo set, both of which seemed really cool. Solo was amazing. I thought Solo was really good. I spoke to Ruben right before they played, and he was saying how he was nervous. And I was like, dude. They, they just got up there and they shredded it. And the funny thing is that their singer does the thing in between songs where he talks. Do you remember when hardcore was like that? Where you would say stuff between songs and it would matter? No, when you would say stuff in a very different voice than you were when you were singing. So it was like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, this week's song is about high school and how much I hate it. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing? Well, especially the songs about high school and how much you hate it. Oh, man, dude. You remember like Frail playing songs about high school? 12 years? Like that song? Remember that song? And it's just like in between they talk and like be all breathy and just be like, eh, you know, okay. after 12 years, yeah. it doesn't even matter because you're still your own person and blah, 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 blah. So uh, it was like that. It was, and, oh man. Keep, no, just keep talking. Okay. So yeah, it was like that. And uh, it, it definitely brought back memories of uh, good times at hardcore shows when bands would have a lot to say and it wasn't just, you know, I mean, it wasn't not like Billy Bragg, like talking the whole time. But it was, uh, we, we haven't seen shows where the talking component was a big part of the show. Or at least I haven't lately. Whereas back in the day, it used to be like kind of the only thing. That was the thing. I mean, not, not that the talking was all that mattered. Like, there were plenty of shows we went to where the mosh well, was I mean, as important as anything the band was doing. Yeah. But still, talking, bands would communicate. I mean, that could be a problem, too. Like, for example, I told you about uh, the story about the time my band played this show in Phoenixville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the crowd was skewing younger than our guitar player was stoked on. And so he kept asking the crowd, like, all right, guys, so uh, how's, how's middle school going for everybody? Oh, how's that no. going? And then he's like, so uh, you guys are hanging out at the mall earlier? Anyone get anything Whoa. cool? Anyone go, to, uh, anyone go to Hot Topic? I just I miss shows where it was bands like Palatka, bands like MK Ultra. Uh, another band that reminded me of that was, like, Crudos. The last time we saw Crudos, remember that? Martin talks a lot, and it's always good to hear, like, his thoughts on stuff in addition to the music. Music that they play but um so yeah so soul glow brought me back to that sweet spot so they were awesome here's was crazy pants I'd, I'd listened to them but i'd never seen them live and that jenna pup man that yeah dude she was killing it and like they were cutting like hardcore in with like dance songs by like katie perry and stuff did you have you heard that yeah a little bit of it it is wild <laughs> it's a wild <laughs> style for sure but then um, Gloss went on, and goddamn, they went crazy pants. They were just going for it. And they booked another show that night at, at a skate park. So they played two shows that night, which Did was Did you go awesome. to the second show? No, because, I, well, this is the thing. So it was Apocalypse, right? So I was afraid the show let out at 9.30, not almost 10, right? And I, we were in West Philly. So driving back, I, as soon as we left, I was like, oh, man, it's going to be fucked. Like, we're going to be screwed on the way home got home in 10 minutes not even it was not fine even, right not even one car in the street so this is what i'm saying to you let's switch out of whacking on track for a little bit and mm-hmm. i want to hear a little bit more about popocalypse in the sense of the read i got from people is that it was a much ado about nothing that yeah. in fact 
according to everything I saw, the only people who had a stressful Pope time were people trying to see the Pope on Sunday at the art museum. Yeah, like that was the one place where it was cray cray. Yeah, poor Evo and his mom went to go see. She had a ticket for to see the mass, and they were in line for like three and a half hours, and they didn't get in. And it was her birthday, and that was like one of the things that they wanted to do, and she really wanted that, and then she didn't get to see it. So Evo was bummed. I'm sorry, Evo. Like that sucks. But also part of my own track. Apocalypse. All the streets were closed. No streets anywhere. We were riding bikes Saturday night, right? We we rode down to Old City and got dinner with um, me and Milani and Rick and Lauren, like our friends Rick and Lauren. What's sure, up, y'all? Sure, sure. Fishtown Animal Hospital in the house. Yo, what's up? And um, dude, all the streets were closed, so we were just riding down the middle of the street like it didn't matter. And there was nobody, like, between Front Street and Broad Street, nobody. Like, the streets were just empty. Once you got past Broad Street, there were a lot of people walking around in the streets, so we kind of had to walk our bikes and stuff. But, dude, riding around in, like, a post-apocalyptic Philadelphia is amazing, because there was nobody there. And it was just really, really fun, because, like, dude, you could just go anywhere. And it seems like after the Pope craziness, there's been a real push from people that maybe having open streets open to pedestrians and bikes would be a fun thing to do at least temporarily over the summer, like have shutdown times and stuff like that. Yeah, dude. It was awesome, and I'm all for it. I mean, you know, I'm bike enthusiast at this particular moment, so having open streets like that is super-duper fun. But it's not like you don't drive nowhere. Like, you drive. You're a dr- you don't yeah. personally drive, but Milani drives you guys a lot. Yeah, she does. That's true. But having the freedom to roam Philadelphia on bikes without worrying about cars... Is amazing. I didn't even know Melani rode a bike. She didn't. We rented one of the Indigo bikes. How did that go? It was. Uh, it's a big clunker of a bike, but it's awesome. It's a great service if you don't have a bike or if you need to go somewhere and you don't want to walk or take a bus. Dude, it's good. I think before the weather turns, I'm gonna do that one day. Just even though I drive yeah. down here, just because I miss riding my bike. You know, Easton is a hilly, uh, mountainous region. And I know people around me ride their bikes all the time, but they're the kind of people who wear spandex and shit. Right, Like right, I'm, right. I miss casual city bike riding. Like, it's I a good time when you Indigo buy a bike. Yeah, the, the Indigo bikes are a pretty good time for the casual ride. Yeah. For sure. You're not going fast on them, boys. Let me tell you. Then things are slow yo, as, as yo, well. Yo, I always go fast. I'm just, I know you like going fast on your bicycle. I, uh, listening audience, I don't know if you know. I have no self-control. Riding bicycles with Liam O'Donnell in the city of Philadelphia is a terrifying prospect because you're going faster than you think Wait you Wait a minute. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Here's the thing. You ride your stump jumper around, and that thing is... A mountain bike. But this is you. You, you. I hate to say this, but you are a slow rider. Because I've ridden my bike with, like, let's say, a Donnie Mutt. Well, Donnie Mutt climbs mountains. What do you think? That's what I'm happen? trying to say. Like that dude smokes me. Even like Evan leaves me in the dust. Like, well, these dudes ride fast. Like I'm riding as fast as I can with a bike <laughs> that's literally like 15. My bike is like 20 pounds. Yeah, it is. It is. But you go fast as shit. Maybe those go faster. But I need to ride my bike more. My my thighs are shrinking to normal human size, and I need dude. them to be back around the thick thigh. What's going on with that dude in his pants? I mean, glad it's been good for my pants. I haven't split right. pants in a while because my thighs are shrinking, but I miss my meaty man thighs. I see. I see. I definitely lost some listeners on that one. Bike riding is so fun, though, and if you get a chance to ride the cities that are closed, it's a good-ass time. That's all I'm saying. All right, so uh, I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit on Pope Apocalypse. Oh, also, as far as working in the hospital, it didn't matter at all. Was it? Did you have an okay weekend with that? It was okay. The hospital took some uh, some 
they, they took some steps to make sure that all the workers that got in on the weekend were, were taken care of. Like, they gave us free food all weekend and all that stuff. So it was fine. And then, like, we had extra beds per unit, but, I mean, we filled them, but it wasn't super insane. Like, you know, it was just totally fine. Just like another day. So, so yeah, Pocalypse 2015. I got a t-shirt from Pink Bike Ralph at Awesome Dudes Printing. And uh, that was it. <laughs> that was the end of it. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sweet. I got the Who Farted print. I appreciate that. I really wanted to get Perry's, and if he listens to this podcast at all, Perry, I hope you still got uh, one of those Pope shirts. I really want to, you know, free the Pope. Free the Pope. I kind of like those shirts. Um, Yeah, I mean, my experience with the Pope really was nothing in Lehigh Valley except for my mom was stoked. You know, it's funny because my mom is an ex-Catholic. She's not really stoked on Catholicism anymore, Mm -hmm. but... uh, but I think this Pope is just endearing enough that she, like, really likes him. And just little things, she would, like, hit me on Facebook, like, hey, did you see that? Like, no, the, there, was a, there, was a, there was a baby dressed up like the Pope, and Pope giggled. And my mom was so stoked on the Pope giggle. I think because growing up, the idea that a religious figure in front of millions of people wouldn't know how to would laugh. just friggin' laugh. She, yeah. I just, you know, so uh, that the most charming aspect of the Pope to me was my mom's excitement about it. I kind of wish we had made the effort to go. But on the other hand, you know, as easy as it was to get around in the city, I bet it was still a pain getting to the yeah, city. Yeah, probably. I mean, the Ben Franklin Bridge was closed the whole weekend, you know? Yeah. I wish I had walked it. I saw so many sick pictures yeah, dude, of people Yeah, we went to go ride. We went to go ride across it on the night of the blood moon, which was the Sunday night. And we got there 20 minutes before they opened it up. So they're like, sorry, bud, you can't ride on the bridge today. So they're like, oh, shit. So we missed that opportunity. And then the cop was like, in 11 years, it's going to be the centennial celebration of the Ben Franklin Bridge, so we'll close it again then. So we'll see you in 11 years. As like, sweet. 11 years. Yeah, yeah no you know, problem. Seriously, in 11 years, when, when <laughs> I don't know, I'll probably have a kid by then, and they're like, oh, let's go to the bridge. I'll be like, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not doing with that. I'll be 50, <laughs> riding like, a bike across that. the bridge, yeah. It's You're a good time. Be... You're so old. I know. I feel old. It's cool, though. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, so, um, hey, let's uh, let's slide back into whacking on track. So you already gave us an on track uh, with the, what was going on with the Pope, Pope Apocalypse as well as the Gloss Show, which looked great. I'm sad I missed it. Yeah, you definitely fucked up. That was an awesome time. Shut the fuck I'm up. I'm saying, though, man, you should have made that effort. You. Or at least you should have seen it in New York. Die. Dude, oh. make every effort to Why see that Why are you band. so mean to me right now? Here's the other thing that they were talking about. Sure. Vice and a whole bunch of other like alternative media outlets had tried to get them to do stories with them. And they told all of them to fuck off. Really? And they told us about it too. Noisy, like, noisy too. Noisy, like all those, la- all all those like media outlets that catered to like this alternative sure. rock, whatever. Sure. They were just like, yeah, Vice came to us and we told them to fuck off, and Block came to us and told them to fuck off. Like they were saying that like all these people have shown interest to in them, and they are staying way true to what they're doing, which is fucking punk rock. Do you think the but why why that's particular? Do you think it's the idea that they're being tokenized or they're being lifted up above other sort of stories or the way well, like why say no to noisier device or to whoever? Because they said they wanted it to be for the people that listen to it. Oh, that makes sense. Which is awesome. I mean, like I get it. It's awesome. I, I think that band gets so much respect from me. They're so they're hardcore, man. Like that is a tough style. Yeah, I saw some people thinking about, you know, should we make the effort to go see them somewhere else? And it sounds like, from everyone I know who went to the show, that it's worth the effort. Like, if yeah. you can go see them, go see Did them. Did you talk to Steven and Sonny and them about it? I talked a little bit to Steven about it. Mostly it was just on Twitter, people talking about how great the show was. Yeah, so. man. 
Yeah, Dude, they're so... I mean, I don't care about Sonny's opinion about anything, so... <laughs> Sonny, I, I feel like I could just bust on him every show. It wouldn't matter, because he's never going to listen. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I love doesn't Sonny. Matter. I'm not going to bust on him, but... I don't really have an issue with him. I just want to keep up this fake feud. It's really great. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> time but, oh, yeah, so uh, that was on track. Uh, whack, my dog George is at the Fishtown Animal Hospital now getting four of his teeth removed. So that's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's an unadulterated bummerness. Yeah, that, that, that bums me out. And he's going to have to be on a soft diet afterwards and some medicine. They said there's going to be some bleeding. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's rough. That's, that's definitely rough. Yeah. But, hey, what are you going to do? Dog ownership, man. Responsible dog ownership. That's what happens. <laughs> Responsible dog ownership. <laughs> How about you, Lynn? What is on track? What is whack for you? What What has happened? That's a good question. I mean, this is going to be... I feel like this section of the podcast is going to be difficult as we're trying to record, like, pretty regularly. So it's hard to have as much uh, whack stuff. Uh, let me let me start then with on track. Uh, like I said, I didn't have much going on with the Pope, Pope Apocalypse, but the other big thing... so. This weekend, I, I will say this, this is my whack. Missing so much stuff. Because this weekend, <laughs> uh, you know, I missed the Gloss show. Yeah. And then all these people I know are at Fantastic Fest, so I'm missing Fantastic Fest. Oh, man. Uh, there were some other events going on this weekend, some stuff in New York that I ended up not going to, like the New York Film Fest. I was like, since I can't go to Fantastic Fest, I'll go to the New York Film Fest. Right. But we're just it's closer to you now. You can just go there now. Yeah, I mean, closer than here, yeah, sure. But, uh... But, uh, oh, man. It's $18 a ticket, I know. Yeah, we just didn't have the money. I mean, that's what it boils down to is we're broke. Yeah. We can't really just spend money like that. Um, I thought we could, but I ended up, I mean, inevitably, other costs come up. I had to spend, like, 200 some for insulin stuff, and I had my student loans. And granted, some of these, like... Uh, big expenses my mom actually helps me out with which is great but uh for like the small you know little things just sort of add up and i I don't know part of me kind of feels like this is the the struggle we got to figure out is like we tend to well choose going out to dinner over the new york film fest right 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 right. you only have so much money for fun if you're gonna be responsible though i mean it's true when i was an irresponsible adult i'd spend all my money on fun and then just not eat anything (laughs) but uh now that i'm more you know i live with you know i got my wife we're living in the real world um, and I have my job, but it's just not that much money. So I think we're just trying to figure that out. So anyways, uh, but the plus of Fantastic Fest, even though I didn't get to go, um, and I missed some, what I hear, great movies, um, I did get access to the press room, you know, because I'm like... So did you see any good movies? Yeah, so, uh, well, so... the so that me you saw Green Room. So wait, 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 no, no, no. Let me just finish. Like, So my whack is just this whole weekend missing stuff for the most part. I missed a lot of things. The on track is that uh, through press access for Fantastic Fest, I got to see... Let me see what we watched. We watched a movie called Remake... Hold on. Remake, Remix, Ripoff. Whoa. It's a documentary about the Turkish film industry. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's so cool. Huh. I mean, yeah, I was a little skeptical going in because, uh, like a lot of people, you know... Looking at the story of the Turkish film industry where they're like, yeah, we just took the soundtracks to other people's <laughs> movies. We just took this one. You could get jaded about it. You could say, well, I don't want to watch a documentary about people who ripped other people off. But when you really watch a documentary, they do a good job of showing how, like, this was about people doing what they could to make movies. Yeah. That they didn't have the resources for an orchestra. And they didn't have copyright laws. So, like, you have to ask yourself, like, if you weren't going to legally get in trouble for it and you knew you didn't have the money. I mean, one of these directors in a year... 
might direct like 200 movies in a year there was a point uh, where dude was saying they do he was doing he was doing a full production every week for a year Holy shit. and then editing other people's stuff were you seeing have you seen the movies like Turkish Star no, Wars no I've seen a, like... I've seen a few other things but not that many no the Turkish Star Wars what's that called um, it has another know. name I think it's called like the man who saved the world or something like that <laughs> it was just a fun story but the other thing is I don't know why they made this decision directorially but they really ended with the story of the true kind of artists of that scene and how they were repressed by the government. That's how they ended the movie, really. So I kind of wish they'd started with that. But then maybe the feeling was they didn't want to show... I, I think the feeling was that they didn't want to show disrespect to the people that were doing more, like, public fare. I mean, the reality was you couldn't really make a movie unless you're doing something for, like, the farmers, for the rural communities, for... So, like, doing the rip-off of stuff was really because that's what the audience wanted. Mm-hmm. But at the end, they talk about some of these people that ended up in jail because they did do their own movies. They did do political movies. And those people were attacked, you know? And one of the most famous rip-off directors... He his first six movies were all banned, and he ended up going to prison for a while. So that's when he was like, he got beat up actually, and he was like, "Yo, fuck it, I'm just gonna make whatever movies." So I liked that. It was fun. It was a fun time to watch that. I liked that. That's a lot. awesome. What else did you see that you liked? Um, so then we watched a movie called Assassination Classroom. Okay. So that is apparently the live action version of a very popular anime. Oh. Okay. And the plot is uh, there's a creature. Hmm. That creature has basically destroyed the moon. Wow. And he's threatening in a year to destroy the whole world. But he's willing to give humans a fighting chance. Nice and so them. he's going to train a classroom of rejects to assassinate him. He's going to be their teacher. Okay. And uh, he is a smiley-faced octopus, octopus creature. Oh, I think you showed me this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How was it? It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it's definitely based off an anime because it's over two hours. It's a it's a storyline, but it ends in a way that's like, well, that's the end of that storyline, but nothing's resolved. You know, like, uh, so oh, it feels unfinished and everything. Not is in a two, bad way. It's over two hours. It is over two hours, and it ends with a to be continued. Ah, uh, fuck that, the, dude. The, no the way. way. The way it basically ends is him going. Well, we survived first semester. Uh, now let's start second semester. That sounds awful. I never want to see it. That sounds so yeah. bad. You, I don't know how to express to you how wrong you are. Really? It was awesome. Yeah, two hours? Dude, it was great. Yeah. I mean, we both were like, oh, I guess this is a little long. And uh, I guess it dragged a little bit. But when they do these live action versions of TV shows, they don't do what Americans do, which is like, oh, this needs to be a movie. Yeah. And so we need to like make a movie plot. They're just like... Let's just take almost everything that happens in the TV show and film it live action. <laughs> Did you see the Blood the, the Last Vampire one or like the Crying Freeman one or no. any of those ones? No. They're awful. Really? The Crying Freeman one's really bad. And Mark DeCosis plays the Flying Freeman. Flying Freeman. Crying Freeman. The only live action ones I've seen is The Giver. Oh. Which is famously bad. Yeah. And then Fist of the North Star. Also oh. famously bad. So many mullets. So many more. I liked Assassination Classroom. I mean, here's the thing. I'm unfamiliar with the with the TV show, so I, I think I might actually get familiar with the TV show. Right. Because that's how fun the movie was. I thought, There's I the Attack on Titan better. one that's out now, right? Yeah, I hear... I hear <clears throat> bad things about it. I hear bad things, but I hear parts of it are cool. Yeah. If you go into it not caring, then you'll be fine. Yeah, okay. Because it's super gory and parts are really effective. 
I'm into so that. I'm into that. Yeah. That's uh, and then the last one we watched was uh, actually I watched two. The last one I watched was Susan. So wait, no green room. No, it wasn't even. Oh my god, come on, man. You have to see this movie so I can know about it. You're so loud right now. I know. I can't wait to see that movie. That movie looks so amazing. I mean, that's the thing. The screening room doesn't usually have those, like, huge movies. Oh, okay. That's not a real thing. But, uh, man, I'm trying to remember the last. So, uh, I'll talk about the movie that I watched without Susan. I watched a movie called February. February. Oh, how was that? I watched that that with Justin Lore. It is it well. It's not scary, but it's very creepy. It's very right. well done. I think some people have trouble with the narrative. It's not direct. It's not like a straight narrative. It sort of goes back and forth. And I think some people found it kind of like tricksy the way the narrative worked itself out. Okay. None of that bothered me. I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. Young lady from Mad Men, whose name I already forget. I never watched Mad Men. So oh, she plays, for those of you who are Mad Men fans, so normal Americans and not filthy <laughs> anti capitalists like Josh here, uh, for real Americans who've watched Mad Men, uh, Don Draper's daughter is in it. And uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that she plays a nefarious character. I think the full extent of her nefariousness I'll keep to myself, but she's creepy in it. She's a yeah. creepy character, and, uh, and she was great. And then there was another actress in it that uh, Justin Lure knew who it was, and I don't know who it is. I didn't recognize her at all. Uh, and then there was uh, my boy. I'm trying to remember his name. This is why we should have the internet up. But uh, <laughs> the guy who was in The Warriors, he was also on Dexter. Oh, uh, the main dude? No, he's his dad. Dexter's oh. dad on Dexter, who know. was one of the guys in The Warriors. You didn't know this? I did not know that. Oh, my God. I don't watch Dexter either. The fuck is wrong? I know. You I know. You should know this. <clears throat> People of Cinepunks, do you not know that I do not watch television shows? Go back to the Philippines. I know. It's true. I don't know why I don't watch them. I just can't take it. I don't. Melani loves all the procedurals. She loves Sons of Anarchy. She loved all that stuff. I, I can't don't like Sons of Anarchy. The only one I watch is The Walking Dead. Okay. Do you, have it. you been watching Fear of the Walking Dead? I do not like Fear of the Walking Dead. I 100% love it. Do you? I thought the first two episodes were bad, and I was on board with everybody, but I thought, I'll stick it out. And as of the last episode, I enjoy it. Wow. I only got the first two episodes down. I didn't feel it. No, no, no. I think you should should plow through. Okay. Well, if you suggest that I do so, then I will. I I mean, here's the thing. I think everybody really does expect it to be like The Walking Dead, not realizing, what is Walking Dead? Is this season six we're on now? Something like that, yeah. So it took six seasons for them to get to the point where they're like, oh, man, things really are desperate. So, uh-huh. like, why are you... Is anyone surprised that a show that starts before the events of The Walking Dead, there's, like, not that much zombie action? Well, no, it's not even that. It's just the fact that how many more origin stories about zombies are we going to see? But this one, I think what makes it interesting for people is this one is different than the only one we've seen, and the only one we've seen isn't even that much of an origin story. It starts midway through yeah. the beginning. Yeah. This one is really, like... How would it break down in society? How would the military act? What okay. is going on there? All I, right. I get it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I will plow through it. I like it. I mean, I don't. I, I think I also have no longer expect these things to be scary. I see yeah. a lot of people, oh, it's not real horror. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not real horror. <laughs> it's actually television drama. Why would anyone think it was real horror? That's crazy. This is stupid. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I didn't make you call you guys stupid. <laughs> okay, so back to... And then the last movie I watched was Susan was whatever go ahead what that's it 
Yeah, I guess that is it. All right, well, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll start with our main section, discussing Halloween. Halloween ephemera. Why ephemera? I still don't understand. I don't know. When I was texting you, that's what came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, talking a little bit about going into this episode, Josh, um, you expressed a desire to talk about Halloween... And this, I mean, for us, when we say Halloween, we really mean October, which I am totally okay with. Um, And you wanted to spend some time talking about Halloween beyond just horror movies, which is not to say for our many, many horror movie listeners that we will not be discussing horror this whole month. We will. We will get to it. In great detail. We also will be talking about horror movies during this episode as well, just because, you know, that's part of the Halloween ephemera. That's part of what it is. Sure, 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 sure. But you wanted to spend some time talking about Halloween-related things. Sort of setting... I feel like, in a sense, we're setting the mood. Okay, yeah. That's what we're doing. I like how you're like, I guess, I don't know. (laughs) No, setting the mood isn't exactly what I thought. I just thought this is a good introductory uh, point for the month of October where we cast once, once a week. Which is new for us, you know? That's true. I don't know how the Nerdist dudes do four days a week. I don't. I think that's what they said. Four, three or four days a week. And what they, well, for them, so for us, we, our feeling is we put out when we put out. Right. Which I kind of like the insinuation they're in, and I'll just let that stand. <laughs> Their feeling is they never want to not have content. So they just keep interviewing and then later on uh, editing and putting it out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the so idea being is like a constant stream of stuff going on. Yeah. So they'll talk to someone in March, and they may use that in March, or they may use that months later. But the idea is they never want to have a week come where they're like, "Oh, we don't have anything." Right. 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 Whereas I think for us, we're still just trying to get people to listen to what we got. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we're getting there, though. We're getting there. We appreciate all the listeners that do listen. I do think there is that school of thought, which I don't think is wrong. Which is that the more you put out, the more people listen. That that okay. an excess of content is not a problem because people will tune in for what they want to hear and tune out for what they don't want to hear. Fair enough. And the more that you put out, the more chances you'll have stuff that people want to hear. I think that's the theory. I do want us to keep just saying put out, though, and find weird ways of making that sexual. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Okay, back to Halloween. Sure. I love this time of year. This is one of my favorite times of year, just because typically for me and Melani, at this time of the year, we do so much stuff. And even before me and Melani were together, I always did tons of stuff in October. And that is why it's also known to me as Rocktober, because it rocks. Okay, I see that. Danzig's coming to Philadelphia this October. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that's the kind of month it is. So I'm pretty stoked on it. You're excited. I am. I am. So, wait, what are your what are your memories of Halloween? Like, when you think back on Halloween, what are well, the things that come to mind first for you? Well, let's... I, 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 before we go there, I want to talk a little bit. Like I said, we, we kind of introed with this, um, but uh, I, I want to know from you, okay. how is it that you, you know, for normal people... Okay. Their experience of Halloween is at most the weekend before the holiday. Okay. And even then, you know, they're really just sort of sitting through Halloween waiting for the tsunami that is Christmas to break upon them. <laughs> right, right, right. So tell me a little bit about uh, how it is that you celebrate Halloween and how, if in any way, this connects to your experience of Halloween as a kid. Well, as 
for what me and Melani do, um, we go to a bunch of uh, various Halloween haunted houses. You know, things like Creamy Acres, Jason's Woods, uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. Um, they all these things have those tours that you can go through these things. Uh, sure. Creamy Acres has the I think they're the ones that have the hayride with the the mounted paintball guns, and then zombies advance towards your hayride, and you shoot them with the paintballs. Is that actually fun, dude? It sounds amazing. I haven't done it yet, but th- okay. that's one I of thought things. you had done that one before. I mean, you know, just stuff like that. You don't do that stuff any time during the year. There is no time when you're going to shoot zombies with a paintball gun. Uh, during the year. But during Halloween, during October, you're doing that shit. It's awesome. You know what I mean? Um, we love stuff like that. We always did. One thing that we've been doing, or that we've done a couple of years in, uh, for a while now, is uh, we go to... Melani's birthday is on November 1st, so Halloween, of course, the day before her birthday, we try to do crazy stuff. One of the things is, um, a while ago, we had done merch for Kid Dynamite at the Fest, for Fest 10 in Gainesville. And um, we were speaking with uh, Jay, friend of the podcast, and he was telling us, like, yo, there's this thing at Universal Studios every Halloween called Nights of Horror. Sure, And you should go. So we didn't know anything about it. We went. And the first thing that we went to was a huge line. And we didn't buy, like, the skip the line option. We just got the regular tickets or whatever. And um, so we were in line forever. And I thought it was going to be, like, Disney. I just thought it was going to be kind of we go there and we see smiling ghosts. Oh, my God, there's a ghost sitting next to you. Like, that kind of thing, you know? No, that shit was... All the makeup was done by Greg Nicotero, number one. What? Number two, it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. It was... I don't know, listeners, if you know about me, but I have this phobia of trench warfare and zombies. Those are two things that I'm terribly afraid of. The third being whales. I'm afraid of whales. But um, not the, important. The whales thing is so weird. Yeah, dude, trust me. I know it's weird, but I'm just saying. But anyway... Um, so we get in line. We're in line forever. I'm not even sure what I'm in line for. And then we get to the thing, and it's trench warfare like World War II with zombie soldiers shooting guns at me whose makeup was done by Greg Nicotero. So it was the most terrifying sure, thing I'd ever seen sure. in my entire life. It was so scary, and I punched Melani in the back of the head by mistake. Oh, no. Well, I was doing this thing where I was closing my eyes and kind of flailing my fists around because that's what I do when I'm scared. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I hit Melani in the back of the head, and, and I feel so bad about it to this day. Do you so. remember you brought up earlier the one time to the I don't go to scary stuff. And that's, again, as any of everyone who has listened to this podcast knows, it's not because I don't like it. Um, honestly, most of the haunted things I find a letdown. And I don't want to set myself up to be let down. Right. And so I don't go. Uh, and it doesn't help that, like I said, my wife is not stoked on it. So, like, I think for October, I could maybe talk her to, into going to, like, a pumpkin patch <laughs> or maybe to, like, an orchard and pick apples. Right. But that's, like, her fall. She's not trying to have anyone jump at her or scare her in any way. That is a thing that just, like. I, um, do you like the feeling of being scared? No, I don't like the feeling. I love the feeling oh, of being oh, scared. Oh, so, by the way, I just remembered. We're confusing two different things. So we went to the mental hospital two years ago. Right. But then we did a hayride thing recently. That was in Jersey. That was last year. Were, were you with us? Was was Bruce with us on that one? or was it- I think it might have been Bruce. And- it was not, though. Cause, so this is a story I was going to tell. The, the one time I went to something with you, and Jordan and Steve Justin were there. Okay. And you remember... One section of that scary thing was the underground area. Oh, that was Penhurst. Yeah, that was Penhurst. Yeah, that was two years. That was two years ago. Whoa, awful! And it inflated and whatever. Yeah. And I, I feel like all of us felt anxiety to a certain amount, but the person who seemed to be the least scared was Jordan. Jordan just <laughs> was not that scared. Right. Until do you remember just after the inflatable stuff? 
there was a clown. Oh, yeah, and he lost it. He fucking it lost was it. It was amazing. It was he so tri- funny. He tried to play it off like the whole time he had been just making jokes, making jokes. And then he sees this clown, and he just gets real stiff. And he doesn't make any jokes. He just keeps walking. And the cloud just walks past him and then turns around and slowly walks behind him. And he goes, hey there, guy. And Jordan went, oh, fuck it, fuck up. And he just like ran. And the clown was like, ah, I knew it. I can always tell when someone's afraid of clowns. And like so ran good. after him. It was so fucked up. That was amazing. That was so good. So, um, uh, but then last year we went to that thing. It was a lot more lines, the thing we went to last year. And there was a hayride section of it. Oh, yeah. That Where thing was, was not scary at all. No, that was but- in New Jersey. But again, it's fun when you're out there with Liam and you're out there with Milani and you're out there with all your friends. I think that was and a late night. I think I, I remember us not having as much fun at that one. Because it was late. We got there like right before they closed and there were yeah. still a lot of people there. It was fun. There though. were a I couple mean, sections. There was one maze we went through where it felt as if all the people who were working the maze had left and it was just <laughs> guests in there. Yeah. That was just bad. going, how do I how do I get out of here? Dude, I'm stuck in the maze. How do I get out? One of the funnier ones that we did, Lauren and Rick went with uh, Mike McCann and Sarah and me. And, and Milani, we went to one that at the beginning of the season, but didn't have anybody there, and it was like oh. like no one attended, so it was like haunted house, and everyone working at the haunted house was bored because no one was there except for us, and it was really creepy because everyone was just kind of blase blase about it, you know what I mean? And we're just walking through. There's a bunch of bored teenagers painted like zombies, just going like that kind of thing. It's just like. Man, this is even weirder than if there were a million people here getting scared. Like it wasn't, it wasn't right. You know what I mean? So we had so, spent uh, some time talking about what we were going to do with this episode, and uh, one of the things we had talked about was scary stories from childhood, ghost stories, yeah. weird things that had happened. Uh, again, I want you to take the lead on this a little bit. Do you have a good example of something, maybe something you went to check out, or a weird thing that happened, or anything like that? Um, so this didn't happen around Halloween, but I do have a weird story. Sure, go ahead. So, um, when we were young, my dad worked at Overbrook School for the Blind and Mentally Handicapped in Malvern as a speech pathologist. And one of the programs that they had at Overbrook was an international student program. So every year during like grade school and, uh, middle school, there was an exchange student that would stay at our house for a year that was blind. And, um, you know, we'd hang out with them and, like, they'd go to my dad's school with him and all that stuff. And then, you know, during the weekends, they'd chill at our house and everything. So we spent a lot of time. Uh, One of the first guys was this dude named Wolfgang Ferber, who is uh, actually a lawyer now in Germany, but he was German. And uh, the the thing was, the following summer, after his year here with us, we stayed at their house in Germany for, like, a little bit. Like, maybe, like, a week or two. And it was really fun. I mean, I was young. I was, like, 12, maybe. And, um... It's funny because it was the first experience that I had of riding a 10-speed bike with, like, the ram handlebars. And stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. And so me and my brother, I, I'll never forget this. One night, we were walking around, like, there was, a, like, a little park right near where they lived, and um, it was, like, in, like, not, like, city. It wasn't in Munich. It was in, uh, like, Bavaria, like, uh, kind of suburby, you know? And there was, uh, we were walking the bike because one of us had to walk and the other one had to ride because sure. there was only one sure. bike between the two of us. And we were young. I was like, so inefficient, by the way. It's true. They didn't have pegs to stand on or anything like Diamondbacks did. But anyway, so Anthony was like eight. I was 12. And we we're walking and it's nighttime, right? And uh, the place where we were staying was like maybe two blocks from where Wolfgang's family was. So we had to go from one house to the other. And um, I just remember it was nighttime, there was a lot of tall grass walking the bike or walking and anthony was riding the bike and we had flip-flops on because we were kids and it was summertime right 
out of nowhere, there was this horrific howl, like a wolf howl, like a straight up from a horror movie, bow, like howl. And it scared the bejesus out of both of us. And we, I started running and Anthony started pedaling and we got out of there. And it was one of those things where I knew if I told anyone about it, they wouldn't believe me. So it was just like, sure, it was sure. the scariest feeling of like just the ineffectiveness of being young and then being in a weird, like not America. And then a wolf howling at me in Germany. Like what the fuck happens now? You know what I mean? It does seem like a wolf in Germany. Like if we're in New Jersey and you heard a howl, I'd be like, yeah. that, that wolf is lost. <laughs> <laughs> but like Germ- something about woods in Europe, you're just like, Dude, there's something creepy in here. Totally fucked, man. Totally awful. It was one of the scariest. And to this day, it's one of those. I am now 37 years old. It is sure, one of those things sure. that when I think back on, it fills me with such dread. Like it's the scariest thing I can think of. It's funny because there's a large tradition in literature horror uh and in folk tales in which europeans coming to america find the wilderness of this country so much scarier and so much more (laughs) frightening and such a a fear inducing and as someone who's grown up in late modernity slash post-modernity in america (laughs) i just can't believe that anything in this country is scary yeah whereas if you were like yo let's go camp in the woods in germany i'm like no man fuck that yeah dude we gotta bring swords i'm sure there's some motherfucking witches and (laughs) and all kinds of crazy shit over there i'm not trying to go there or even worse could you imagine going into the woods in russia no, I just assume no, that's no, a death no, sentence. No. Yeah, like, I don't know. not doing that. And here's the funny thing. As I've gotten older, I've thought back on that night, and it's probably just a bunch of German dickhead kids fucking seeing two little well, Chinese no, boys walking. You know, you know what, though? It could have been a wolf, but the reality is, like, <laughs> a lone wolf sees two humans, and that wolf is thinking, yo, get the fuck away from me, man. I'm not yeah. trying to be down with that. And guess like, what? It worked, because yeah. that shit was frightening, man. Yeah. Dude, uh, all primal right. fear. That is the scaredest I've ever been in my life. All right. I was, you know, you, we talked a little bit before the show about this, and um, I, I I was stoked on it in the sense of an idea, but I, then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And uh, I had this story came to mind, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. But first, I couldn't find the info, so I want to know if you know, about, as a Jersey person, if you know about this. Right. In New Jersey... Somewhere near Echo, are you aware of a mental hospital? Yeah. What is the name of that hospital? Uh, I don't know the name, but... uh... And is it true that across the street from this hospital is an abandoned community that maybe once was part of the hospital? Yes. I've heard of this. Okay. I don't know the name of the hospital, though. So I know this exists because of a story I'm about to tell you. Okay. So when I was in college, I had a pretty tight group of friends in high school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, afterwards in college, we kind of stayed close. And there was one night we all went to the movies, and it wasn't all of us. It was me, my friend Josh, my friend uh, Dave Yu, uh, who, by the way, is Brian Yan's cousin, which wow. was weird. You know, Dave was my one Chinese friend growing up. Uh-huh. And then later on from shows, Brian was my other Chinese friend. Uh-huh. And then they would tell story, tell me stories about their family. And Dave had told me stories about his cousin Brian. And Brian had told me stories about his cousin Dave. <laughs> but as a 
non-Asian person, I would never assume they were actually related because that's such a stereotype that white people just assume <laughs> that every person of color is related. So the fact that I was walking in Chinatown one time with Brian and Dave pulls up and he's like, what are you doing with my cousin? And I thought, Whoa. fuck, I have two Chinese friends and they're actually related. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. You PC'd yourself out of making the correct assumption. Well, and it was pretty funny then because then I could remember all the stories that they had told me about each other and like try to see like which was more embarrassing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's amazing. I know. I thought, I Anyways, so, good. so uh, and there was a, so the thing about this story is that there was a fourth person with us. Right. And what makes this embarrassing is that I am 90% sure that person was my lover at the time. Okay. But I cannot remember who it was. Oh, wow. It very easily could have been, I think, so if I was to make a best guess. Okay. Based upon the year that this event took place, I think it was a young lady named Amy Roche. Right. The problem is we hung out with Amy sometimes after we broke up. So she might it might have been we were with Amy, but she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. Okay. It might have been another girl who I went to college with. So I feel bad. I feel a little bit like an asshole that I don't know who it was. <laughs> but the the only reason I remember that it was Dave and Josh specifically in the story is because of the events. So okay. what happened was we went to the Cinemark in uh-huh. uh, uh, Lion's Head Plaza. Yeah. And we went there to see a new movie that we had uh, only recently seen the original Japanese version of. And that was a movie called... The Ring. The Ring. Right. So we saw The Ring, and we just had a conversation about contemporary horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've made claims on this show many times that movies don't really scare me that much, or I haven't been scared. So I'd like to play off like I found The Ring as corny then, uh-huh. as I actually do now, because I've rewatched it and thought, no this good. is kind of stupid. The American version. Or right. do you, do you the, still feel the, the original Japanese the version? The original I haven't watched in a while, so I need to go back. I, I've actually been thinking that I'm going to add more Japanese movies to my horror month. Here, okay. But let's stick with the American version. Uh, I'd like to say that I could see through the American version. Okay. But I could not. <laughs> that shit fucked me right up. Was it the movie that they watch in there that fucked you up or what? What was it about? It's more the movie, yeah. But also that style of horror, which I think is now cliche. Yeah. But the time was still kind of new to me. The understated, uh, yeah. little bits change here and there, general creepiness thing. Right, 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 right. Regardless, I was scared. For the record, I thought it was funny that they watched like a college movie <laughs> and it's like a college art movie, and then that's what what made people die. But some of the imagery in that college art movie was intense. I mean, yeah, it's not, no, like it's the, not like the a nail tour. going through the finger and oh, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, no good, no good. But anyway. so regardless, it got under my skin a little bit. My compatriots, it got under their skin even more. Right. Again, I feel like I wish I could remember who was with us. But so we did what we normally did after we went to the movie. We went to the diner, right? And Across so we the went street, to the country club diner. You you would think that, but we aren't fucking uh, Cherry Hill people like you, right? Yeah. So like every good Collingswoodian, we <laughs> went to the Crystal Lake Diner because, as far as we were concerned, the Crystal Lake Diner was the diner. Uh-huh. All the other diners were literally. This is what we said: other diners. So I you see. would say, the do you want to do you want to go to the guns. diner or did you want to go to like another diner? <laughs> okay. And then so we were like, well, let's go to Crystal Lake because we assumed this was the end of our night. Right. It was shortly before Halloween. Okay. It was definitely fall, kind of creepy out, and we were all freaked out. We're like, let's go get some food. So we're eating at the diner, and slowly we started to I wouldn't say deconstruct the movie, but the hold the movie had on us was starting to uh, rescind a little bit. Okay. And we were filled a little bit more with our sort of masculine, we're cool and not scared of things or whatever. And we were with a young woman, and I, you know, again, I don't remember who she was, but there was some like connection her, there. She was, was egging us on a little bit. Okay. And the reason this became an issue is that I believe it was Dave Yu 
uh, was like, so there's this place in Atco. Whoa. Tell us about this place, Dave. Well, it's an abandoned mental hospital. It's across the street from a current mental hospital. And if you go, you can go and check it out and sneak in, and it's scary, and there's blood. We should go sometime. And it didn't take till the we got our check for us to have decided that we should go sometime was tonight. We're going to go right. tonight. Now, it's already late. Okay. You don't go to the diner early. Who goes to the diner no, early? Who goes to the diner before old, 10 o'clock Old people. Old yeah, people. No, it so it's happen. 11.30, and we're like... On a, and I'm pretty sure it's a weeknight. Okay. We're going to go to the mental hospital. Okay. No So shit. it took us a while to find it, and uh-huh. then we did. And we get there, and I don't know if you've ever been. I don't. I don't. I think I've been there because I remember it, but I don't know the name of it. So there's a hospital, uh-huh. and then there's a highway, and then across from the hospital. Again, this was at night, so I haven't seen it during the day. I don't know what it's like. But across from it at night, what I remember is a, a closed community. Uh-huh. With two entrances, and these entrances have been blocked off with Jersey barriers. Oh man! So you're like definitely not supposed to go in, but you can kind of get around the Jersey barriers right. by going on the grass. So that's what we did. We're in the car. We do that. My friend Josh is driving, oh, so man. we go around the Jersey barriers, and it's just these houses with overgrown grass and very suburban, you know, suburban but unkempt, unkempt. And Dave is telling us. So Dave is claiming he's been before. Again, I have no idea if that's true, uh-huh. but he's saying that there's. Like, it looks like it was abandoned very quickly, that there will be food inside. Oh, man, food, like there was stuff and out. Plates, and like it looked and, like people were... And that the hospital part has, like, blood on the walls. Oh, and, no. And he's just, this whole time down, and the whole thing, he's been hyping us, hyping us. And, of course, as you go in, you start to feel that anxiety. You feel that anxiety. Yeah, just that closed in Driving and, around, oh, driving man. around. Finally, we get Josh to stop. All right, we're going to go. We're going to go to the house. You guys ready? And there's a little bit of, like, a, no, you go, no, you go. Okay, Right, we're gonna do it. So I start to open the door, and as I open the door and I start to put my foot out, Josh just fucking loses it and is like, "No!" Oh, fucking no! Hits the gas with the door open. With your foot I, out, I have to pull the door closed, oh, and he like man. zips out of there. Almost hits the barrier on the way out. So we we good. like pull out on the road, like skid back end out, and zip out of there. The whole time I'm screaming like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "No, I can't." Finally, his his thing is, "I oh, will come back when it's light out." And I'm like, "No, nah, man, you're not supposed to. You're ruining it." They yeah. put a barrier in a place you're allowed to go. Just go check it out. Jesus you know. Christ. So we never went. And after that, it was like became a big joke we would make fun of josh about it all the that time. is hilarious and he like zipped out and that's like one of my few i don't have a lot of like scary things happening but that yeah. was i mean there was a lot of anxiety we just seen the ring we're yeah. at the abandoned mental hospital whatever oh, man, but so i was good. ready to get out and do it so good even if i like cried like a baby once we did it i was ready to do it but josh just couldn't <laughs> ah, he couldn't take it he couldn't take man it. that's amazing i don't think josh will kind of listen to this podcast but if he does I just called your shit out, bro. Dude, that's fucking great. Tell your English students in Korea about that. <laughs> he teaches English in Korea. Right. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. He's a good dude. It's, uh, by the way, my first Filipino friend. Yeah. There you go. Named Josh. Yeah. Josh, yeah. Josh Delacana. There you go. Good dude. Sounds like yeah. a handsome guy. He's great. He, uh, I once saw him spin kick a dude in the face at a Stavesacre show. <laughs> and what's really funny about that is he learned how to do his spin kick, his mosh spin kick yeah. from watching Power Rangers. So the spin kick had literally no power behind it. Literally, this dude took the kick and was like clearly freaked out because some guy just kicked him in the face. But then he was like, that didn't hurt. That, that was nothing. So they, then they were fine. So then afterwards, we went to go get merch. And the guy from Stavesacre was like, yo. You kicked that guy in the fucking face. <laughs> and Josh was like, yeah, I did kick that guy in the face. Wow. And he's like, that was so cool. Here, have a free shirt. He gave him no a free way. shirt. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's crazy. Wow. So good. 
What's up, Josh? What a great story. That's yeah. such an awesome story. So, but uh, don't you love that shit? That's the shit that I'm talking about, man. Like, that's I, a thing. I, you know, but I don't know what it is. Here's the thing. So I really do think my embracing of Halloween uh-huh. is related to two things. We've talked about this in podcasts before, so I don't want to wear people out. But for right. those of you who haven't delved in the archives, let me <laughs> tell you a little bit. For me, summer is life. Right. Summer is joy. Summer, so. all the posts uh, all over my Facebook are these white-ass white people, the whitest of the white, <laughs> just whining all summer long. It's so hot, and the yeah. sun's out, and oh, God, I'm sweating, <laughs> and my booty crack. And, like, for real, I don't care about you. Like, for go back to whatever Nordic hellhole you're from. For me, summer is the deal. And, like, I mean, I will, let's make, let's have confession time on the podcast right now. Right. Give it to me. The, o- the, the other day, I realized something that was true. Go ahead. In general, people I'm friends with have certain things that they see as very mockable. You know, things that uh-huh. you can mock and everyone's on the same page. Right. And one of those things is flip-flops. Okay. Punks, especially white punks in the city, love Disney. to bust on some flip-flops. Yes, they That's don't some like crazy it. shit. Why would you right. wear a flip-flop? Whatever. And I'm going to be for real with you. Some of you don't know this because you don't know me like that. But when I moved to the city... I was a flip-flop enthusiast. Enthusiast. I had four. Did you get, like, the, the high-end flip-flops? I never bought a pair of rainbows. No, but, like, I the... was given a pair of rainbows. Oh, my God. So I had one pair of rainbows, and then I had three pairs of flip-flops that were, like, $40 flip-flops. No. Like, for real comfortable flip-flops. Whoa. For a while, I rocked the Old Navy, like, $2 flip-flops. Yeah. Those shits always broke. Right. And if anyone, um, some people know this, I kind of confessed this a little bit on the internet already, but there's a video of Me Without You playing when they were still a hardcore band. Uh-huh. And you by were the watching way, the flip By the way, Me Without You used to be a hardcore band. <laughs> and they played the coffee shop at the college I went to, and I didn't, I found out about it last minute, so I ran up to the show, and I had a hoodie. This is like, I, I was definitely going through a white phase in college, <laughs> because just literally, not that long after college, I started growing my beard and my hair out because it made me look more Puerto Rican, actually. Right. But at, in college, I was very much like shorts, flip-flops, hoodie. Wow. Yeah. In like, no way. In like a little bit of like early spring. Oh, sort of So I go to this Me Without You show, and they played Flamethrower, which they had just started moving away from their heavier material. Uh-huh. And so they played Flamethrower, and I fucking moshed in flip-flops. That's it's amazing. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. So I think that's evidence enough, but just to affirm for you guys, I was a flip-flop enthusiast. And the reason I stopped wearing flip-flops was actually South Philly. Because of glass and dog do everywhere? Cockroaches. Hey. In the summer, the, oh. sh- the sidewalks in South Philly. It's littered with cockroaches. Over, yeah. over the five years I lived there, the cockroach problem actually surprisingly went down a little bit. Oh, nice. Not a lot, but a little bit. But I also noticed it less. So here's the thing with the cockroaches. It wasn't that there was hordes of cockroaches per se Uh it's that when you have flip-flops on two cockroaches is too many cockroaches right if you saw one i'm a tough enough dude that i'm like i just one cockroach i'm fine who cares about a cockroach but i would at the time i was this is just before susan i was dating a girl named becca and she lived uh at 16th and reed and i lived at 9th and reed so i'd walk Uh her home right 15th and reed actually somewhere around there and i'd walk her home in my flip-flops and the whole length of reed there would be spots, not everywhere, but spots where there were cockroaches. And having flip-flops on and seeing cockroaches just freaks me the fuck out. I can't oh, have my foot. Yeah, no. So I, I abandoned, goo, I abandoned the flip-flop. And I went Smart, sh- shoe all the time. Yeah, that's smart. And then when the tide, I realized after that, once people see you're not wearing flip-flops, they open up to you about their flip-flop prejudices. Right. You know? 
they're like, oh, you're one, of, <laughs> you're one of us, so I can let you know that flip-flops are bullshit. <laughs> and so I kind of like adopted that. After a while, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess they're right. Flip-flops are kind of corny. So the other night, I was like, yo, it's nice out. I can't, I, can't, I can't find my shoes. I got one old-ass pair of flip-flops. I'm going to rock a pair of flip-flops. So I was wearing flip-flops, and it felt weird. I was like, oh, who am I? I'm wearing flip-flops. <laughs> now, granted, it's because I was going to Wawa. Well, the outfit I had on was basically like pajamas, and I pulled on pants to go to Man. Wawa and get something. So I'm walking to Wawa. I got these flip-flops on, and I'm like, well, the one plus here is, you know, a celebration I can have about moving to Easton is the lack of cockroaches. And okay. then, of course, I thought... Well, there's it's because the spiders. There's a lot of spiders in Easton, though, and I thought, well, but who cares? Spiders don't affect me, and I'm not even fucking kidding you. It's as if it was a script. At the moment in my brain, I'm thinking, <laughs> spiders have nothing to do with my flip flops, though. I saw a spider just outside Wawa. That was uh, the biggest. Uh, I'm not even kidding you. No. It's the biggest spider I've ever seen that wasn't like a pet spider in a what? spider in a pet shop, a spider oh, shop. Oh my That'd god! But yeah, it was so big, just out in the wild, walking outside the Wawa, and I was like. And since that night, I haven't put the flip-flops back on. I was yeah. like, God is letting me know it's time to move on it's from... Time to I don't actually believe toes. that. But it's, yeah, you know, no. it's, it's a symbol. It's mm. for me, I'm, I'm, I'm still not cool with flip-flops. Right. It's not a thing. But, uh, God, that was a long story to be getting That's into, a into story, about though. flip-flops, though. It's good. It's yeah. good. So, uh, anyways, back to what I was saying. Summer is life. Right. Spring... Easter is to me the perfect religious holiday. Okay. Because Easter is about rebirth and spring is rebirth. And it's actually, unlike Christmas, it might actually represent the right time period in scripture. Mm -hmm. Whereas Christmas is just some made up shit, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But Easter, it all kind of works for me in a real sort of symbolic level, you know. So even if I was not religious, there's something about Easter that's kind of cool I would appreciate, you know. Mm -hmm. And then summer is just great. So then here's the thing. Then people all the time, I think, because I love summer so much, and then fall is kind of sad, they think I don't like fall. Mm -hmm. But what I like about fall is that it's sad. Okay. It's like perfectly melancholic. Right. To me, fall and liking fall is like liking Elliot Smith. Okay. All right. It is fall. Fall is an Elliot Smith record. You don't. No one's having fun listening to Elliot Smith. And if you are, you're, you are emotionally weirdo, yeah. like like yeah. something's wrong with you. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I, that's how I feel. Because I love Elliot Smith. Yeah, yeah. Me oh, too. Man, so Can we talk? I like that we all of a sudden got into the low sex tones. About, we got real. I yeah. really love how sad it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the way he uses violins. Oh, my oh God. God. Smith. Oh, I'm really yeah. feeling it right Rest now. Rest in peace. I'd fuck me. Uh, anyways, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Silence of the Lambs for you. Okay, so back to what I was saying. So for me, what I love Halloween about is Halloween like the herald of the end of summer for you. Yeah, it's the death. We focus on death and dying and the dark side, and then winter. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you have then you have Thanksgiving and Christmas, and those mm-hmm. to me are enjoyable for what they are, which is empty holidays where we pretend that a meaningless universe has meaning. Right. You know, that we're... It's also you get to see your friends. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, to to me, summer is actual life. Christmas is you're gathered around a fire pretending the fire will last all night, knowing it's going to go out at like two in the morning and the wolves are going to eat you. Like, that is... That's what Christmas is. It's like, yeah, at least we have this fire. (laughs) We still have the fire. It's and cool. then the vast expanse between oh January and February are actual death. Yeah, no, it's no good. It's no good. If I was immortal, uh, I would spend January and February in the ground. I would just 
tunnel into the ground and Shit. suffer, hibernate for two months, and then come out Man. like at the end, the middle of March. It's a hard style. The point is, is that for so that's one aspect of Halloween for me is this sort of like I'm going to watch dark, depressing things. I mean, some of those things are also fun. Uh, uh, Granted, I don't think you can enjoy Elliot Smith, but you can enjoy Ink and Dagger. And Ink and Dagger is dark. And and, Halloween all the all day. Exactly. And so, uh, and then the other aspect is just an appreciation of horror that I, I like. That horror movies, I think, matter in a variety of ways that we've discussed, and I don't want to like pummel that topic into the ground. And we're going to talk about it more the rest of this month. But that's the connection for me. So the other stuff, the pumpkin, the apple spice things, the going on hay rides, and even the haunted houses. Again, I've had more disappointing experiences than I've had positive ones. Wow. Uh, though I did have an experience at Eastern State one time where I was not scared, but I brought someone who was easily scared, oh, and so they good. just cried the whole time, and that was awesome. That was a great. Experience experience man that's genius oh it was so but good. yeah so that's not that's not justification enough for you though to enjoy yourself during this time like dude here's the thing horror go for movies, it go for it horror movies are more fun in the halloween time totally and i and i and, do the horror movie end of halloween as 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 people will find out when i start posting the journal of fear stuff on cinepunks like i'm thinking about horror i'm in i'm engrossed in horror the whole month i mean and we're you're going to Harathon, right? You're doing Harathon. I do not have a ticket, but I... Motherfucker. I know, I know. We it's were like, just planning a post-Harathon well, episode. Yeah, but we did a post-Harathon episode last year, and I didn't go. I don't like that. I want you to go. I'm going to try and go. You better go. I'm going to go. I'm judging. <laughs> what do you... I mean, obviously, horror... You know, this is the season for horror. What is it that you find appealing about the other aspects of the season? What is it... The ghost stories, the haunted hayrides or mansions or whatever the fuck... Or even like the horror punk, you know, like I didn't, other than knowing the key misfit songs that anyone who claims they are punk should know. Uh-huh. And a lot of people I know don't like the misfits, but they're wrong. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I don't, I don't even have a deep misfits knowledge. I certainly don't listen to any other. Oh, that's not true. I like uh, Earth AD. No, 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 no. Uh, horror related bands. There's one band I do like. AFI. No, I don't like AFI. Not at all. They're fine. The first few records are fine. Nerve Agents? Nerve Agents. There it is. So good. Nerve Agents is the only other horror-related band I actually really listen to. Yeah. So I feel like you have more of a connection to that. Uh, You would even play in one of these, like, uh, pretend bands or whatever. Oh, cover bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So So much fun. Talk a little bit about that. What is the appeal of both the musical aspect of that and the event aspect of that? I am a person that likes sad music. Sure, 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 sure. The music I produce is typically sad and or angry. Um, Fair. But I love the Misfits, and they do not sound sad or angry to me at all. They are joyful. That is a joyful noise. Yeah, they're having fun. And every time I've done a band that has been a cover band, it's always been Danzig or Misfits related. So the one band is called, this year we're called Kang Wolf, a.k.a. Lucid Dudes, a.k.a. How the Gods Chill. So the thing is, this is our third show. Every time we've done it, We've had a name, and then the next year, like we, the first time was the Lucid Dudes, and the second time it was Lucid Dudes, aka How the Gods Chill. So now this year it's Kang Wolf, aka Lucid Dudes, aka How the Gods Chill. So um, it's just, it's fun. I want you to spend some time on this. Other than the sheer audacity it takes to wear mesh shirts as often as Danzig does, <laughs> I don't know the appeal of Danzig. So talk to me about what is the appeal. Oh, There's a couple of songs I kind of appreciate, but I, I've never really gotten into the Danzig. And as far as I can tell, 
Sam Hain Do you, well, is okay. like unlistenable shit. I don't like Sam Hain at all. I oh, love okay. Danzig. I have the same relationship between Danzig and the Misfits as I do with Morrissey and the Smiths. Yeah, talk to me about that. I don't understand. A lot of people love the Smiths and say they don't like Morrissey. But the problem for me is that I've listened to the Smiths so much that there's so sure. there's only so many times you can hear those 108 songs that they've recorded, right? I can't or, believe you fucking know that. I think that's the number. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But... I'm sure some Smith nerdy guy with with horn glasses are probably. Excuse me, Joshua. It's actually 112. 112. Whatever. So here's the thing: the Smith songs they're finite, and they're fine for the time that you hear them. Sure. My theory is that any Smith song, any person who will out themselves as a Smiths fan, will say that there's one song that's written just for them. Every single person that loves the Smiths has oh, the okay. one song that they're like, there's no one else that matters in this world when the Take song's playing. Me out there you go. Tonight. Let the out. Yeah. So, but for Morrissey, I feel as though once you get past that, you get into this area where you're like, I will grow with this music. This music will grow with me. And as, as I've, I've gone further in life, more of the Morrissey solo stuff. I, I mean, granted, the dude's a maniac, like for sure. But more than literal stuff. crazy person. Yeah, literal crazy person. But when you hear songs off of the later Morrissey records, like you know, first of the gang to die, sure, sure. stuff like this, it, it, you can relate to it in a more visceral manner as you get older, as you grow up. That's with so things. interesting to me. I am, um, but do you think? Okay, so wait, wait, uh, let me, so let's leave that alone. So how do you then relate that? I feel like the difference between Misfits and Danzig is actually a deeper cut, a deeper chasm than the difference between Smiths and Morrissey. So talk to me about that. Well, that's the thing. So when you get into the Misfits, or at least everyone I know who's gotten into the Misfits, have been enamored with the horrorness of it all. With, with sure. you know, yeah, yeah. So he's talking about Psycho 78. He's talking about Return of the Fly, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely those, those aspects for me are more appealing than the music itself. There is one lyric off of Long Way Back from Hell. Okay. That Danzig says that encapsulates everything to me about why I love Danzig. Do it. And that lyric is a uh, malevolence creeping up the spine of the world, waiting for the bastard son. You're not going to get anything like that in a misfit song, but that shit is so hard. It is so fucking hard that when you realize that Danzig is playing blues songs and singing this, it's hard for me in that. Um it's hard for me to take the Danzig stuff seriously. It feels corny to me. It feels like... Perf- well, no, that's the thing, though. That's the thing. Like, you get past that Misfits thing. And trust, I love the horror music. I love all that stuff. But then when you get past that and you personalize the music, the Danzig stuff is the stuff that grows with you. How often do you think about hate breeders? When I compare that to how often I think about, you know, don't care if and you die, he says if and. If and. I have apostrophe <laughs> N. I don't care if appeal, and you die. though? Dude. I don't know what it is. And, and that's the thing. Also, another caveat is that I'm only down with Danzig 1 and 2. Number 3, Danzig 3. Huh, okay, all right. That's but then Danzig 4 and on, I'm calling it out. It sucks. My, but, my feeling is I really want to come at you about that in the, in the realm of the cock rock. That Danzig is just a little <laughs> bit too much of the cocking and the rocking for me. Right. But and then, I'll with that. But then I, I got to remember, I don't think you can make that case. And I know people, other people will agree with that point. I don't think you can if you're a Life of Agony fan. Oh. And River Runs Red. That is a cock you, rocking album. You put that shit on, especially that uh, the Underground song. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Every time I hear that song, I just want to go fucking crazy. <laughs> just, you know, 
They keep on kicking me down. What do you think about what do you think about Mina Caputo's music? Have you listened to? So I haven't checked it out. Uh, I feel like I should though. Yeah. Um, I don't like Later Life of Agony, so I'm worried that I wouldn't like her music sort of on her own. Uh But uh, I don't know. Granted, I haven't made an effort to see them live. You know, they've been Mm. doing shows. I didn't go to East Coast Tsunami. It's the other thing I didn't go to this past weekend, but I didn't feel that bad about missing that. There are a couple of bands that played I wanted to see, but that was it. Yeah. It wasn't a huge event for me. No, not a big deal. Not for that cost either. I'm poor. How much was the ticket for that? Well, for the Wu Tang night was definitely pricey. Oh man, I don't even yeah. remember what it was, but it was not Dude. cheap. It's just funny that Mob Deep played that and they played Maryland Death Fest, and it's like how many? I don't know that many metal dudes or hardcore dudes that like Mob Deep. Really, I would disagree with that hugely. Really? Well, I would say a little bit less with metal, and the, you got to remember with the metal thing, mm-hmm. they had a Mob Deep show planned. It was already oh, planned, was and then was? it's and at one of the them? and it was at one of the clubs that was also doing death stuff, and so they were like, "Let's just co-promote this event." It, the the Maryland oh. Death people did not book Mob Deep. Mob Deep oh. was already going to play. Okay, however, that. that show was pretty well attended, and it did pretty well. So I think that might have helped. Uh, them want to do the East Coast Tsunami thing. Now, right. I don't know how East Coast Tsunami did. I hear bad things, but I don't know, and I don't want to like say, like, oh, it sucked or it was awesome if uh-huh. I wasn't there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but uh, for me, when you then move from the death metal scene to hardcore, of a certain age, hardcore dudes consider Mob Deep necessary listening. Really? I would say... Um, Quite a few. I mean, we we know quite a few bands have taken names from yeah. Mob Deep lyrics Shook ones and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Mob Deep. I mean, granted, I would say probably at a realistic level, more people listen to Wu Tang. But mm. the thing about Wu Tang, as much as I like them, and I'm you know respect to the East Coast tsunami people for booking them, I do wonder if Wu Tang actually has more of a mixed bag. Because mm-hmm. when you say you like Wu Tang, do you really mean you like every Wu Tang album? Yeah, that's hard. Or do to you say. like every side project? Yeah. Do you like do you, Capadonna? Do you listen do you to listen, Killer Priest? No, some people love Inspect the Deck. And I think you can defend I think some I think it, it helps that some of the side projects are huge like uh-huh. liquid swords okay yeah when i tell it. people that i'm like ambiguous about liquid swords i might as well say like i shit on your mom like really? they get so mad yeah no you surprised me just now that's i don't care i mean wow. it's fine i have it on vinyl i listen to it occasionally uh-huh. um for me the first wu-tang record is the 36 uh, chambers that's the that's cream the of the crop that epitome is of that's the drawn yeah then just after that i would go liquid swords i would go uh the rizza record uh, You'd put Bobby Digital over Tikal by Method Man? I would put every motherfucking Woo side project over anything that Method Man has ever been on, unless it was the Red Man solo record that Meth did guess on. You don't like Method Man? I almost hate Method Man. You are blowing my motherfucking mind right now. I really Method have Man, no idea how to deal with this. Method Man is the essential MC getting by on his cool voice but can't write a rhyme to save his motherfucking life. <sighs> Hate to cow. I, well, I, actually, I would actually go back and say Bobby Digital is kind of bullshit, but I really love the uh, uh, quite a few of the Ghostface Killer records. Well, yeah, And so I would put them ghost, up but... maybe equal with, with Liquid Swords, but I would put Bobby Digital over to cow. I never... I have to cow. I mean, you just have to have it. You have and to you have it. you dislike it. it. I, maybe... If I was if I'm making like an iPod mix of hip hop, like uh-huh. a, I'm gonna put just a bunch of nineties hip hop on, Decal's going on. But if I'm like I'm gonna put my headphones on, I'm gonna just chill myself with some right. music. 
I would never choose Method Man. Every hip hop in my collection, from the artsy shit to uh, the '80s stuff, just to the raw. Ev- every 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 uh, KRS One record, every uh, you know Public Enemy record. There is no hip hop record in my collection that I would put a uh, behind Method Man. Whoa, yeah, that's a mind blower. I think he's overrated. I don't oh. think he's a good MC. Oh. And then people are like, well, the beats are great. Well, yeah, well, it's RZA. You, it, it, any 90s record with RZA is going to have probably, most of the time, good beats. What The question you have to ask yourself is, is this Wu-Tang project with a good MC or a bad MC? And I, my contention is that he has all of the lack of skill of, uh, of uh, Big Baby Jesus, of Old Dirty Bastard, with none of the humor. The reason you like Old Derby Bastard is because he's fucking funny. He's a funny dude. And you ignore the fact that the dude can't rhyme for shit, you know? I mean, he has some good lines here and there, but it's great. You love it. It's great. Method Man is about the same skill level as ODB. I wholeheartedly disagree on this. Nah, dude sucks. Dude, you're out of your mind. Dude sucks. Man. Again, I don't mind him so much on some of the Red Red Man collabs. Yeah, I, and I think Red Man is kind of underrated from that time. Okay, yeah, as, as well as uh, yeah. as well as what's his name, Keith? What's the guy, Keith? Keith Murray. Keith Murray. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. There you go, dude. Was at the time. I mean, I think I moved past that style a little bit. Uh-huh. But at the time, Keith Murray was pretty sick. Method Man's overrated, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is just. I mean, of course, of if you take the broader Wu Tang community. You're gonna take Method Man over Capadonna or whatever. Yeah, the fuck. those guys are whack. Kill you know what is it? <laughs> Kill a priest, and Kill a priest, and all that. Fuck, yeah, terrible. no, not into it. Not into it. But, but what so. about what 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 about uh, what about back uh, to dancing? But let's let's just real quick Method Man versus You God slash Golden Arms. Ah, uh, I might actually take at least on some songs to You God even no, over Method Man. God, no shit. I'm telling you, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got nothing. This is insane. Okay, so let's go back to what we were talking dance. about with Danzig. I, I just don't... So I feel like your enthusiasm for Danzig is is somewhat connected to your joy around Halloween. You The general spookiness is like yeah. way up your alley. It's just fun. It's dark. I mean, like, the people that take Danzig's music seriously, right? There's sure. always going to be something kind of funny about it. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be something kind of humorous about Danzig 1 and 2. Well, so I, let me... Uh, I, I want to stop coming at you about the Danzig thing. No, no, it's fine. We'll leave the Danzig thing alone. But I, I do, I do want to real quick say something, and I want to see what you think about it. Okay. As you know, moving to Eastern, this is going to seem like un-Halloween related, but I think it's Halloween related. Mm-hmm. Moving to Eastern has exposed me to far more spiders than I've ever been exposed to in my life. Right. And some of the people who live there are surprised when I say this. And maybe it's where I live, because where we live is on the side of the hill. Mm-hmm. And there's like a full, like a like woods right beneath us on the hill, so maybe yeah. we just are closer to nature. But there are like uh, hordes of spiders around right. me. Spiders wow. on the light pole, spiders on the street sign, spiders mm. on my porch, everywhere spiders. And what I've noticed with the spiders is like the spiders aren't out in spring. Spring, <laughs> okay. when the bugs first come out, spiders are like, "Oh shit, the bugs are out! God damn it! All right, let me make get my it. thing, whatever." Yeah. But it takes them all summer to really get established. But right about now, all these webs near my house, some of them we've gotten rid of, obviously, because it's like, yeah. get the fuck away from me, spider. But all the webs we haven't fucked with. But they're still up. 
Are we talking like arachnophobia webs? Well, you know, the, some of them are thick, some of them are thin. I mean, there's different. Literally, there's probably I would count no less than six species of spider around oh. my house. So many different spiders, and they all make their own kind of webs. Mm. But here's the thing: round about now, end of September, beginning of October, right? All those spiders done fucked off. I don't know where they go. I don't know if they hibernate. I don't know if they're still at the web, but they don't move Man. as much. But the spiders seem to have gone, but there's still webs everywhere. So here's my thought. Right. What are one, what's one of the number one corny ass like symbols of Halloween? The spider. Spider web. Okay. Yeah. Is this coinciding? This is going to now. If you're a nature person and you know about spiders, this is going to sound obvious. <laughs> like like I'm being a crazy person. But as someone who didn't grow up around spiders, it never occurred to me that the reason we associate cobwebs with Halloween is because there's more cobwebs around in October Halloween time. Yeah, that huh. like spiders all summer long are trying to bust out their webs. So they can catch lots of bugs, and then right when it starts to get cold, the spiders are like, well, fuck it, I'm yeah, out of here. See, see you later. later. I'm dying. Peace. I'm done. Charlotte's web, son. Is that a real thing? I don't know. I have no idea. We would, sucks, I though. would love it if our <laughs> listeners would, would, would let us know. Is this a real thing? Do spiders fuck off in the fall? Spider ghost towns. And they're just like, yeah, we're out. And that's why we <laughs> think of <laughs> cobwebs. I don't know. But I will say uh, it's weird observing there. Like my porch in May, uh-huh. no spiders. Now, September, the little window above our back door. So the back door is like our front door because our yeah. apartment's on the back. That whole window area is a giant web filled oh, with no. bug carcasses. What? And there was a whole fucking family of spiders living in there. And as uh, far as I can tell, they've all moved on to greener pastures? Dead. Don't yeah. they die? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I they, almost they don't want to know. They probably eat the souls of unborn children. So I don't know yeah. if we've come to any conclusions about Halloween ephemera, but I, I do think it's interesting that we... Let, let's do this. Do it. Let's talk a little bit about Ink and Dagger. Oh, that's how you want to end our Halloween I do. ephemera. Let me, let me just quick say, uh, I had that story. I don't know if it was actually scary, but we both had slightly weird Halloween stories. Right. We would love if you would comment on this episode or hit us up on Twitter and or Facebook. And tell us some funny Halloween stories yeah, that scared you. Yeah, tell us about you. your, or actually scary, or something fucked yeah, up happened around Halloween. tell me some Halloween. scary shit, man. We want to know. I mean, I will say, you know, real quick one, when I was a kid, we were trick-or-treating and in Collinswood, and I kicked a motherfucker's door in. <gasps> I was trying to just knock, and I got too excited, and I kicked the door. The oh, door flew no. in. Motherfucker pulled a shotgun. <gasps> I was literally like 10 years old. I was like, ah! He's like, oh, oh, it's fucking Halloween. Okay. Uh, yeah, again, give me a sec. Give me a sec. I got something. Do you remember any of your Halloween costumes? Do you have like a favorite one that you uh, think about? In first grade, my mom made me a handmade werewolf costume where she sewed wig pieces into the shirt and oh, hair all over me. Oh, so good. It was amazing. My mom really killed it with that. Uh, one year, I was a pirate with a melted face. That's like it was so a full awesome. Pirate outfit, and then they she put fake melty stuff on my face, little thing. It was cool, but that eye was kind of fucked up for a while. Still great though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I don't know. There was a period where I stopped, even though I still cared about Halloween. I got less stoked in getting dressed up, uh-huh. only because I felt like this is happens. This is becoming a theme, right? Things I care about, I give up on when I decide I'm not going to be able to do it right. Uh-huh. So my. The one year my costume sucked, I was like, fuck it, I don't care anymore. Oh, man. And so then in middle school, one year my costume was just a werewolf mask, just uh-huh. a rubber mask. Huh. So lame. Well, eh, you know, that's, it is, that's it is about the age is. when that would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A you couple know. years I just wore a hockey mask. I didn't get that stoked on it. <laughs> but there's been years where I, I had a good idea, and I'm like, this idea is so good. So like one year my friend Bob had a... Uh, uh, party. It was a costume party, and I dressed up like Sean from Shaun of the Dead. Ah, that's it was good. so Just a good. Necktie and the the red blood on the shirt. I made my own cricket. 
Ah. Now. But the problem is I made the cricket mallet too big. So then all the pictures of me, people were like, look, it's the Final Fantasy version of Shaun of the Dead. Because it looked like that giant sword from Final so Fantasy. Good. It was like that. It was so fucked up. <laughs> my favorite costume that I can remember is when I was in first grade, my dad made, made a pumpkin costume for me. And it was so pumpkin and big that I couldn't get up the stairs of people's houses because it was just gigantic. It was like walking around with a couch wrapped around me. I kind of love that. I know. It was pretty funny. I, that's all I remember, though. I don't remember any other Halloween costume I've ever I was had. so into horror stuff as a kid that one year my uncle gave me a makeup kit as a Christmas present. Wow. And in it, there were all these different sort of things. So I had him uh, apply the uh, vampire bites to my neck. And then apply a bullet hole to my head. Nice. And then I insist he carry me from his house. We were driving back to my mom's house, and he lived in Philly at the time. I insisted he carry me to the back seat and lay me in the back seat like I was dead. That's great. With the hope it would freak out the neighbors. Now, is there a chance that a single neighbor noticed? Uh, no, not. he was living in that neighborhood by Union Transfer before there was something like Union Transfer there. Uh-huh. So I'm sure if they saw him carrying a dead kid, they would have been like, yeah. shit happens, man. Spring Garden in, during that time was not. Yeah, I'm sure they would have been like, yeah, that's a, I'm sure that's fine. Yeah, they're like, that's the breaks. <laughs> but yeah, my uncle was great. <laughs> that's amazing. Anyways, so you, let's close up, finish off with a little bit of Ink and Dagger discussion. Is that how you want to oh, wrap yeah. up? yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Ink and Dagger is a band out of Philadelphia. has two... Well, I guess they have a number of seven inches and then yeah. two full lengths. Uh, one full length is shove the seven inch wooden stake through my Philadelphia heart. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the fine art of originals. And then there was the self-titled heroin record afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. nobody that I know listened to except for like a few people here and sure. there. And sure. Uh, and they're sort of infamous for a number of things, uh, one of which is Sean McCabe passed away in... Oh, man. I... The funny thing about that 2000? story was like 2000, 99 to 2000, okay. maybe 2001. But I was bummed. Time. I was bummed when it Do happened. Do you remember when it happened? Yeah, totally. It was funny for me because here's why. I was working in Vintage Vinyl at the time, okay, which is in Fords, New Jersey, and it's like a big supermarket for punk rock, right? And uh, someone had called the store, and I answered the phone, and I don't know who it was it called, and I don't know why, but the only thing, it was like a woman's voice, and all she said was, the dagger is dead. No. And I was like, Do you think that was that Jen woman who uh, was no clue. really friends with them? She, like. The one who did the speaking part at the reunion? Yeah, she's on Twitter, and every time I tweet about Ink and Dagger, she favorites and retweets it, whatever it is. Wow. I can literally be like, Ink and Dagger came on the coffee shop. She'll favorite it and retweet it. That's no matter amazing. what. No matter wow. what. It's crazy. That's so funny. But yeah, no, someone called the store. Sure. I answered the phone because I was at the register. Sure. And they were just like, The Dagger is dead. And I was like, What? And then. <laughs> The person started crying on the phone, oh, wow. audibly crying, oh, wow. and was just like, Sean McCabe is dead. And then hung up the phone, and then that was it. That was how I found out that the dude from Ink and Dagger died. It was that, wild, dude. That is a little funny, but... Yeah, it was It was the one of the weirdest conversations I'd ever fielded. So further information, for those of you who don't know, is uh, early on in their career, they really played up this idea that they were vampires. They called themselves the Society of Future Vampires or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they wore... They wore Corpse paint. Uh, it was it was corpse paint, but it wasn't like with the detail. It wasn't like like mayhem corpse paint. It was it just was like, white and black over the eyes. Yeah, and whatever. There was a lot of fake blood at the shows, a lot of spitting of blood at the shows, and a lot of strobe lights. Yeah. So here's my first experience with Ink. Go Dagger. ahead, go ahead. It was when they played with Cr and uh, Dead Guy at the church. Sure. Do you remember that show? Were you there? I was not there. It was so. It was like around that Halloween was, time. Wasn't that before the CD came out? Was that when they still just had the seven inch? Yeah, the Love Is Dead seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was they, great seven inch. Yeah, so awesome. So I just remember like they were about to go on or whatever, and no one knew it was about. I didn't know it was going to happen, 
and CR at the time. Do you remember CR? I knew them a little bit, but not that much. They were one of my favorite bands. And Dead Guy, of course. Yeah, I love that style. I love that all those dudes. And um, well, I don't know those. I know Frank, but that's it. But anyway, not important. Um, Ink and Dagger had a red light on. Did the, I don't know if they ever? I never seen them do this before, or, or like I don't remember them doing that when I saw them after this show. But the red light was just on, and there was a heartbeat coming through the PA for like ever, like an hour, like a long time. And every time the heart would beat, the red light would pulse. And then right before they played, the heartbeat started slowing down, and I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, what the fuck is this, you know? And then it just like, it was like, then it would slow down, and then it just stopped, and it was completely black inside the basement of the church. And then Sean McCabe came on the microphone and he was just like, tonight, we're all werewolves. And everyone started cheering, right? And he's like, tonight, we're all banshees. Everyone started cheering some more. And I'm like sitting there like, yeah, what's about to happen to me? Like, I have no clue what's going on. And then he's like, tonight, we're all vampires. And everyone went crazy. And then he says, tonight, we're all going to hell. And everyone loses their minds. And I'm standing there, me, by myself, mm-hmm. young not knowing what the fuck is happening. Next thing I know, the strobe lights come on and all of them are on stage. Him, Don DeVore, and um, Tim Heidecker, I believe. No, uh, Eric er- Warheim. Eric Warheim. Yeah, Tim, no, Tim he- one of those dudes. Tim, Tim Heidecker is the one who isn't punk. Right. Eric Warheim, yeah, he was in that Ink and guy. Dagger. He was in some other straight-edge bands, too, but Ink and Dagger is no the shit. one that people actually know, yeah. Well, yeah, and Wagon Sheets was on drums at the time. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So the next thing I know, all these white guys are on stage. No, there was the girl in the band. Who was the girl? No, she joined later. Was she the was girl? the fine art of original sin. No, era. she was on. She was on, on. On really? Yeah, she was. I'm quite sure. Uh, must have been a different girl. I don't know who it was. Anyway, that band had a real rotating. Well, here's line. what happened. They really? came on the stage, and the next thing I know, it is the sickest mosh I've ever seen in my entire life with music that sounds like Swizz. Like, what the fuck is this? Were they right? playing? Did they open with the? They road opened to hell? with "Road to Hell." That dun 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 dun. Oh my god, so good. And they had a strobe light oh, playing. <laughs> they had the strobe light going, so it would be like nothing, and then the light would blink out, then come back on like a strobe light does, and there'd be like boots in my face and like fucking crazy mosh. Was there fake and blood? There was fake blood everywhere. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life on a show that had CR, where the singer was like naked and jumping on people, and fucking dead guy. Right when um that was dead when guy um is so good. fixation on coworker era dead sure, guy sure 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 dude sure. crazy show and ink and dagger killed it for me they're the only thing I remember from that night and it was scary there was a t- it, it connected me to a thing about hardcore where I was afraid yeah and it was like not a comfortable afraidness it was terrifying and unfortunately for me I uh I didn't see them I saw them once during that era. Oh. I went to a bunch of shows that they canceled. Uh-huh. I went to one show of that era, and it was like the first time I got to see them. And I was like, "Wait, I might. I think I really like this. This is yeah. crazy." Because I I heard the seven inch, and I liked the gimmick, but I didn't uh-huh. love the music. Right. And then I saw them when when the album was out, and I was starting to get into the music. The next time I saw them was Fine Art of Original Sin, which now I love that record. Oh my! God. At the time, I was like, "The fuck is going?" It was just all lights and noise. And no one was into it. There was no pitting of what? any kind. There was no fake blood. They didn't even have makeup on. And they 
you know, introduced at one point they introduced the people in the band and the light and the sound guy were like as important as anything yeah. else. They were just doing noises and lights and stuff. And I think at the time, if I was who I am now, I would have actually loved it. Mm. But I was just like, just play Road to Hell, man. Yeah. I just want to go off, spit Dude. blood in my face. Like that's what I want. <laughs> and they just weren't in that period. And then it was just shortly after that that he passed away. And I remember thinking like I was really sad that he had died, but I also thought like, well, as far as the history of that band, like they weren't going anywhere. That was kind of over. Yeah. And it was only later on when I went back to that material that I was like, like, holy shit. I was wrong. That's, I mean, don't get me wrong. The old stuff is my favorite still. Yeah. But Find Our Original Sin is a great I album. I love that record. And I, I got to say, of the shows I saw, the second best Ingenagger show that I saw was the reunion without him. Oh, the with Jeff This Rickman. is Hardcore show. Yeah. Because yeah. it was the full set. It was, it was a time when I cared about the songs that before i didn't care about yeah and his vocals were great and uh friggin sausage threw a whole bottle of fake blood in my face <laughs> so that was pretty sick that's pretty amazing literally the first song he went to throw they had these giant two liters of fake blood they're throwing him in the crowd he lost his hold on it and, and just almost the entire bottle into just my face wow and he just looked at me and went sorry man and just that's threw amazing. the bottle dude one of the greatest ink and dagger shows i ever saw was at the stalag Oh, really? I never saw them at the Stalag. Yeah, well, what happened was Hot Water Music was supposed to play, but they broke up. Oh. You remember that? I do remember that. I didn't show, go to that, but dude, I do remember that show. They had the show booked. Hot Water Music was supposed to play, and I'd never seen them at that point. And then they broke up, and the show was just still going on, and they got a different headliner, and that headliner was Ink and Dagger. And it was insane. It was so much fun. This is one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. Ink and Dagger at the Stalag was so... It, here's the thing about Ink and Dagger. And Halloween in general. And me. I love Philadelphia. I bleed Philadelphia. I don't give a shit about any goddamn sports teams, but I love Philadelphia, right? Ink and Dagger sure. epitomized everything that I love about Philadelphia Yo, in I the used, fall. I used to make this argument all the time. When I was going to Eastern, you know, it was a Jesus school or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about Ink and Dagger. It was right when he had passed away, and a couple people at the school knew about Ink and Dagger, but for the most part, all the... There, you know, Eastern for a Jesus school had a lot of punk and hardcore kids, mm. and they didn't know anything about Ekin Dagger. And they, you know, I talked about, you know, the shirts they'd have, you know, Devil Children Unite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they had some Philadelphia specific stuff, and people were like, "What do you mean?" And I literally said, "I was like, well, Philly's kind of a haunted city." Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, it's it's old, and a lot of horrifying things happen there, and I don't know. I just feel like you just walk the streets, you feel like there's a lot of history there, a lot of ghosts, and people. Literally said I was a fucking crazy person. Like, they didn't know. No way. And to me, I wasn't trying to make, like, a literal metaphysical, like, I can feel the spirits. But, I, I mean, however you want to take haunted, Philly, to me, is haunted. I agree. And it's the it's not, like, it's scary, but it's also comforting to me. And, yeah. and that's what I think about when I think about Ink and Dagger and when I think about home and I think about this time of year. Sure. It's that there are these hard and abrasive sounds that can yeah. sound so euphemous to me. Yeah. And that the scare and the fear and all that stuff, it's fun. It's a fun feeling. Have we started the show with an Ink and Dagger song before? Did we do Road to Hell once? I think we're going to today. <laughs> I don't know if we Road to Hell. I think we did Road to Hell, so maybe we'll do... Uh, do uh, um, Shadow Talker. This is funny because you've already heard it, whoever yeah, you are. Whatever. But this is us figuring it out right Who now. Who gives a shit? Yeah, we still love it. Yeah, but we'll yeah. figure it out. Ultimately, that's what I love about this time of year. I love... You know, the devil sound. I love Philadelphia. And le- I love Halloween in Philadelphia. Yeah, and let me say, like, okay, if you're in Boston, mm-hmm. you got a torch to hold. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, those few of our listeners who are in Austin, who are in L.A., who are in even San Francisco. Right. 
you don't understand Halloween the way that Philadelphia understands Halloween, the way that Inkenagger. There's just something about Philadelphia. In this I, season, that's so lovely. Yeah. I love it so much. No, yeah. I You're love right. listening to Ink and Dagger at this time of year because yeah. it encapsulates the time of my life. Yeah. And that time is now. That time is here. That time is what we live through every October. Sure. With all these movies celebrating all the macabre and dark things that remind us how much we love life. Yeah, so I guess in that sense, this is a great transition. Welcome to Halloween month. Welcome, Welcome to, to the our... month of Halloween podcast. We're going to destroy you with so much Halloween we content. we got so much coming up this month. We're going to put up an episode every week. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. That's the plan, at least. And uh, let's wrap it up. That's it. All right. Uh, as far as uh, things that we're stoked on that we want you to know about. It's going to be hard to do because, Yeah, we're going to be doing it every week, and it's hard to schedule when things come up. I will, I will just say, Josh hasn't gotten his tickets for Harathon yet. Uh, if you haven't gotten tickets for Harathon, tickets go people, up on that Facebook page. So try to get them. all the time. So I'm not at all worried that I won't be able to get in. I'm yeah. just thinking about time constraints. And all. But Harathon's coming up. We got a bunch yeah. of shows coming up. There's, there's going to be so much fun this Halloween, so stay tuned, yeah. and, and we'll we'll yeah. be there to tell you about it, what it, we thought. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we got to go pick up Josh's dog. Yeah. All right. Episode 36 in the can. Bye. Goodbye. Smoke wow. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> unemotional smoke bomb The saddest ever. smoke. Smoke bomb. Smoke bomb. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> <laughs>